Welcome to another episode of Ravens at the Crossroad. I'm Tyler Matthews. And I'm Mistress Prime. Today on our episode, we have John Hutuliak. He is a Romney Wayfair elder, at least an elder in that tradition. Uh, and he hails from uh, our neighbors over in Canada, out in the Hamilton area. Welcome to our show, John. Well, thank you for having us. So, uh, I met you last year at the Parliament of the World's Religions. Yes. It was a wonderful experience. I absolutely <laughs> fell in love with Toronto. Um, and honestly, while I was there, I was kind of like looking at the prices of houses. <laughs> you do that frequently when we go visit places. I do. I do. Um, but I was like, oh, it's really cool here. I really like the area. I like the people. I like the variety that they have there. So then I was kind of looking around. And of course, the, the person who was in charge of kind of coordinating the pagans in that region is originally from the U.S. So I was kind of communicating with her about, you know, hey, so how hard was it for you to move over there? Um, <laughs> anyway, so I had a wonderful time. And you, um, they had a... Uh, was an event for all the pagans to gather while at parliament, sort of like an introductory to kick off the parliament for all the pagans. And you gave this fantastic presentation uh, for everybody. Could yes, you just, the Rotev. Yes, yeah. could you just talk a little bit about that for our listeners? Well, um, in my tradition, we have to come together uh, from different places quite often. So, in the olden times, when you were traveling uh, by wagon, by horse, by walking, and then later by cars and uh, RVs, uh, if you're coming together to congregate, you have to establish a few things. So it's called Latra Jodrom, Rota Bachish, or Rota for short, and it means wheel. Not just any wheel, it's usually a wagon wheel. And by having the wagon wheel in the center, we can visualize all of us coming down the spokes to the main hub, the hub being where we're gathered for that evening or that time period. Um, so for a lot of people that were in the Romani community that I learned this from, they really didn't know exactly what it's about. It's sort of faked in <laughs> because you, you wheel the wheel on the outside perimeter of the campfire that you're doing at, at and music gets played and things get going on and certain things are just known, whether they're known and discussed or just known because it's tradition is highly speculative. But what I did uh, when I learned it from my teacher, uh, who was quite the monster of a woman, smoked a clay pipe, cussed like a sailor, um, <laughs> forced to be reckoned with. However, um, I wanted to make sure I understood what it was all about. And that made an excellent introduction to teaching it to others. So in the pagan community that I've been embraced into, uh, in both Toronto and Hamilton and a few places around Ontario and even in uh, 
a few places down south. When I teach Rota, I teach about community. I teach about how we can all come together from different faiths with different experiences and different truths and come as a common uh, kumbandia, which is a, a company, um, a collection of various people that might not be related strictly by blood. And you have to invoke common laws, things so you don't kill each other, things mm -hmm. like that. Like, And there's eight common laws that are main to the eight major spokes of the wheel. And by making sure you pledge that, you can move on and also get some business done as well. And that's the other pledges. If you wanted to spin the wheel to make a pact or a promise that you'd bring something forward into your own community, you can let that wheel spin forward as well. Mm. And then we share a common drink at the very end of it. Uh, you don't have to drink and nor uh, on indigenous lands would we spill it. We would have a little catch basin as well. So if you wanted to pray and pour, that'd be an option as well. So mm. it's, it is a Romani ritual, but it's been paganized so people would understand it and can also bring it forward. I think there's eight or nine festivals that I know of that use it in the introduction to their, uh, their festival. Nice. And I know that there's two places in Germany uh, that perform it on a quarterly basis. And uh, yeah, I do know that there are some covens and some groups that uh, do it as well once a year just to welcome in new people to their community and to establish, you know, the common laws. So mm. That's great. So, yeah, so for the Department of World Religions, it sounded perfect to do. So I was, I was blessed that they uh, asked me to do it. And then it also blended really well with uh, myself and Amanda Hyde and a few other people that organized a pagan social later in the week at the Lucky Clover just down the street. Because, so, mm. you know, eating, drinking, good conversation, that's magic in unto itself. That's true. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a really good, I was out there for 10 days. It was a really great time. Yeah. I loved watching the pictures and the videos that you took. It was made me kind of jealous, but mm. I was stuck working. Um, so John, I was uh, curious, are you descended from? My father's side, yes. Okay, um, okay. Um, I'm Kolderash, uh on my father's side. Okay. Uh, Ukrainian uh, Romani, so. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So. so the traditions have been passed down from your father's ancestors, or did you? I wish that would happen because the language would have been passed down Mm. as distinctly as well. Unfortunately, uh, my family suffered a very similar fate to a lot of families that come in. They want to hide uh, their past. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until my grammar passed away that my father and I finally came to terms uh, with it. I've, 
I oddly found out about my Romani ancestry by backpacking. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, I was visiting Europe because my dad was stationed uh, there. This is dating me because it was before the reunification of Germany. Gotcha. And uh, I went and uh, discovered that uh, my last name isn't fully Ukrainian and bumped into a community that I thought I was speaking Ukrainian too, and it was really, really poor, broken uh, Kodoresh that I was speaking to them. Oh. And that stopped them in their tracks, and fortunately they knew English, and we spoke. And uh, yeah, things got pretty serious pretty fast. I was on two paths at the same time, and uh, one of them was, uh, I developed was Romani, but my blood faith, as we call it. Mm. The other one was actually, I was Chan Buddhist. <laughs> so oh, I, met wow. with a Chan, I met with a Chan <laughs> Buddhist monk along the way, and uh, when I came back to Canada, I chose uh, Buddhism over what I started to learn in uh, Europe mm -hmm. and uh, but the blood faith kept calling so I uh, I answered eventually okay so. and you were taught by somebody uh, you're yeah um, we forced can't... to be reckoned with yeah yes <clears throat> uh, she wind blown hair is okay what, what uh, we call her uh, because she's passed, I can't use her actual name okay. uh, for it. Especially when you have someone that is of significance in the spirit world, you don't uh, alter the name unless you've been given permission. Mm -hmm. Or in this case, I see her essence reborn in someone else's eyes. Mm. So, which I think I have. But uh, it waits to be seen. But anyways, yes, I started learning more and more from her first in Heidelberg, which is outside of Kitchener-Waterloo, mm -hmm. a small little place that she and her uh, nephews would set up their RV at the time because they actually did still have a uh, transit lifestyle. Mm. They, were, they were going forward with... Uh, picking in the fields and doing crops out west, apple picking and, and so forth, and would do that rotation every year. Now, that's not common anymore. Most uh, Romani uh, lead a different lifestyle than that, but um, she stayed to that route. So, mm. So that would be in uh, 92 that that started up again. I was still juggling between uh, two faiths. And uh, it sort of, I became a teacher of the Dharma in my Chan tra tradition, but there's always something that was boiling in my blood. Mm. So, and okay. uh, yeah. So, how did you come to terms with consolidating those two different perspectives? Uh, 
It was interesting. What happened was by practicing Buddhism, I started getting more in line with myself and knowing that this, this, all the meditative practices, all the calming of the mind to rest my monkey mind and, and so forth wasn't bringing me closer, mm-hmm. but uh, sort of keeping me on the fence for things. And then I actually bumped into my wife in Toronto uh, when I moved there about a few months before I was about to go on the Silk Road pilgrimage. And that sort of tipped the scale. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, when you do your first three, uh, three precepts, you don't really have to go monastic, but you go monastic when you start doing more and more of the precepts. And uh, I was about to do a pilgrimage and give up quite a few more things. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just didn't work out. <laughs> mm. It's not where you were supposed to be. Right. No. And it was fantastic. So, but cool. yeah, so that, that's what happened. And then after that, I s- started going deeper and deeper into uh, wayfarership or the Lindra Bhotri tradition. And it, uh, it grew. It grew stronger and people kept coming forward. And it was a very interesting journey because as I've already mentioned, I'm only uh, half. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not I'm not fully Romani, so that gives a lot of uh, questions. And even to this day, my language skills are atrocious <laughs> for it. However, uh, what I lack in that, I gain in knowledge. And I had one of the most amazing teachers who uh, heaped on me dragged me through the mud and uh, was relentless. <laughs> Sometimes that's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. So. so it sounds like there's a fair-sized uh, group up where you're at. Do you know of other groups? Because it's not something we see very commonly, at least in the States. Well, not in, not in SoCal that I've not that I've well, experienced yet, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be really frank with you, uh, the majority of Romani that are in Canada um, are more towards the Christian denomination, mm. uh, largely Pentecostal. I've encountered a lot of resistance against even our saint, Saint Sarah La Kelly or Saint Sarah E. Kelly. Uh, which is Black Sarah as well. Very popular in France and also very popular in Brazil. But whenever I venerate her and bring it up, because she's the patron saint of the Romani peoples and the Sinti as well, uh, we gain resistance. uh, For one reason or another, they've decided that uh, their adopted faith is very strong and they've forgotten or maybe decided uh, decided to uh, go a different route mm-hmm. and adapted it from there. They removed spirituality, the traditional spirituality from their culture in that regards. 
So the community, there's many pockets and some in that community still do certain observances, but mm. a lot do not. Um, unfortunately, one of my uh, compatriots who was in uh, British Columbia, she passed away last week. So I'm now, what's it's a. Uh, she was the youngest of the three of us, oh. and she just died suddenly. But yeah, it's low. It, as I just said, there was three of us in Canada that I knew of that practiced what I practice. Mm -hmm. Now that's there are others in the Romani community that practice different forms of spirituality and. We've got some pretty strong ones uh, around here. I've been blessed to work with a, a couple that are in Toronto. And, but in Hamilton, I'm, uh, I play well with others. So I usually work with the uh, WCC Hamilton. I am also part of two amazing um, uh, covens per se. Mm. And I am part of the Niagara Pagan Men's Circle as well. So with all that spirituality and brotherhood and community around me, it, uh, it has just strengthened uh, my commitment to my teachings if I don't always have a community. Okay. Okay. You have a dog in the background there? Yeah, we have uh, three big ones back there. So when they started, I muted us real quick. No worries. They, like they probably wanted their... to say something. They they like to add their commentary mm -hmm. when we're doing stuff. It's actually kind of funny. Yeah, Odin likes to definitely put his uh, two cents in. Odin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, a rescue, actually. Interesting. Yeah, we have Odin and Artemis here. Artemis is another good one. <laughs> yeah, she's beautiful too. Yeah, she's a gorgeous dog. And then her brother Gunter. <laughs> yeah, wow. all German shepherds, German shepherd huskies. They're, they're very big dogs. <laughs> Small horses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So don't mind. We don't mind dogs. We don't uh, have them in our house yeah. though, as a as a traditional thing, as well. So. Gotcha. Oh. Well, wait, wait. As a traditional thing, um, you usually, if you can't keep certain animals that are, um, there, there are exceptions to the rule, but usually we don't keep any animals. Uh, freedom is a is a huge factor, right? So mm. those that work with us work willingly. Those that come to us come willingly and leave willingly so okay no there that again is part of my tradition but if you talk to someone that's a a wise woman <coughs> in my tradition she might say otherwise they're usually prone to cats so well cats tend to uh have that free spirit in general come and go as they please mm. Indeed. Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a needy cat. 
Just uh, one? You have two. Well, she she's the needy one. The other one could take her or leave it. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I see where you're going with that. <laughs> well, you know, cats do need their servants. And that's this, pretty this much This is very true. <laughs> that's true. Now, I, I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts and interpretation of some of the persecution that uh, other Romani have experienced. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of it in yeah. the Ukraine uh, news feeds and things like that where they're actively persecuted there. Yeah. Um, so this is the great tragedy that that is um, the persecutions have never ended. Right. In many countries. True. There, and it's it's a touchy subject as well because there is a very small line, and unjustly that. Uh, perpetuates stereotypes, mm -hmm. uh, the prejudices that happen in many countries is appalling. Uh, there are churches that, there's a couple instances, not just one, but a couple instances where people hiding out in a church, uh, people burn down the church with these people in them, or mm -hmm. burn an encampment, or beat uh, Rom a Romani boy senseless to the point that either brain dead or in the hospital. There's a layer upon layer upon layer of horror. Persecution, prejudice, and horror, yes. Yeah. Beautiful uh, word for it is horror. Yeah. It's... Uh, yeah, the, the um, Romani, um, Romani Council in Europe, I'm just trying to remember, I always forget these acronyms because there's just so many now, and that's the rise of the Opera Roma movement is very strong through, because of social media. We're getting more and more of a voice. Mm -hmm. and, and that's actually one of the things. Uh, there's a YouTube channel uh, called Rogue Rocket, and they actually did an entire piece about uh, the modern Romani movement and the practices of Romani and how yeah. some of that's kind of moved towards the online instance. And they brought up some of the prejudices that went against the Romani people. And it was like, yeah. some of the things that were said are very reminiscent of some of the things that were said about uh, African-Americans during the 1950s and 1960s. I was like, wait a second, I've heard this rhetoric before. Yeah. And it was just like, I thought we moved past it. This is a, <laughs> a, a culture. Pre and yeah, it's, prejudice is never past. Sad, no, sadly. True. It's, it's always, it's boiling somewhere. And even in the most gracious hearts, there's always a hint of something somewhere. Mm. Um, now, then again, there's also that certain something in people that perpetuate a stereotype or a myth as well. Mm -hmm. um, people keep coming to me, uh, good friends of mine, uh, and talk about, half jokingly, about the propensity of, 
of theft and and stealing and so forth mm -hmm. that's uh, tied to the Romani community. And it's unfairly tied, but there are many uh, Romani that I've encountered, especially um, people that have come uh, to Canada in the in the 90s and so forth. Mm. Uh, from a third exodus, a third major exodus that was coming out, where they continued to take um, that idea that they do not need an education and they do not need to um, have all the opportunities before them. They rather just continue on certain ways, even though they escaped Mm -hmm. uh, the various as well. So it's really hard to say. And I don't like to say to people um, that they're all jerks in the places where Romania are being persecuted. Romania, uh, the former Czech Republic, Hungary, uh, Italy. There's incidents in Spain. There's tons of instances in the former Soviet Union. The actual numbers of Romani killed and Sinti killed in the former um, Soviet Union since World War II almost equals, if not is greater than what happened during the Second World War. Mm -hmm. so, there's a, an amazing scholar here in Canada named Ronald Lee and if you ever see any of the National Film Board of Canada documentaries on, on the Roma and the Romani peoples, he's usually either interviewed or one of the um, documenters of, of these things. There's, he's one of the experts on the Romani diaspora mm -hmm. and is often called in when it comes to such affairs. Okay. Right. Uh, so I know that sounds like a roundabout way of saying, well, what, what does it mean to me? It means that these people have suffered. Oh, no, absolutely. It means that uh, it's unjustified in, yeah. in most regards, but old prejudices rarely die. Yeah. And I was just, I was curious as to your take and thoughts on it. And so I appreciate you sharing that because I know it can't be easy. Uh, well, I've gotten it. I've, to be really frank, uh, I had it much easier than a lot of, a lot of others in uh, the community, mm. especially the ones that immigrated here uh, later to Canada. They're, they have stories to tell that uh, will make your toes curl. And um, yeah, so because of uh, my family moving to Canada early between the uh, First and Second World War, we avoided uh, a direct uh, damage from okay. from that the the huge persecutions that went around. Um, there were was uh, family lost, but not our core family. So mm -hmm. we're really blessed for that. Mm. 
and uh, with everything that continues to go on now, mm-hmm. uh, all we can do is also make sure that we elevate ourselves higher, that we take the opportunities of being in Canada, being in the United States, and taking that education, but not forgetting our roots. The great mm. shame that happens with people that are newly immigrated, that do not want to reveal their heritage, uh, their ethnic background, mm-hmm. their their uh, Romney pen, their 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 essence of being Roma or Sinti. Uh, they hide by being a generic Eastern European family, mm. which is not bad. You can. There's many great things about that, but it's not, you, you hide your name, you hide your identity. It does start to make wounds, especially if your siblings and if your children forget. Mm-hmm. Then uh, the language is lost, the culture is lost, the mm-hmm. traditions are lost and uh, confused. Right, and it doesn't make it any easier when you've got Hollywood and television <laughs> going off and kind of reaffirming those stereotypes that get put out there. Yeah, Hollywood you, apparently what? doesn't have a better thing to do than to reaffirm ridiculously unhealthy stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes. But, yeah, um, there's a character on Law and Order of all things, the original. Uh, he was a lawyer, played by Brendan Roche, I think, is the actor's name. Okay. And every so often he'll slip something out, and it's very interesting. Uh, and when I was researching it online, because I have to talk about lots of different things to keep people updated on what exactly is commonplace, and I'll get to that in a moment, but this uh, lawyer uh, that's was one of the main characters for a little while. It looks like he was written Roma. Oh. And I, he was, it looks like he was written also to inspire another famous uh, Romney lawyer who started talking about court cases and started talking about Romney law mm. in comparison to United States law. So there are inklings of us and of course, there's also the tons and tons of if you put big hoop earrings in and mm-hmm. you show your chest and big flowing hair. And to be honest with you, you already know. Um, right. And threatening to curse somebody with the evil eye. Uh, yes. But the evil <laughs> eye is a universal thing. Yeah. And, uh, there, is a t- there is an odd tie to the evil eye. Mm-hmm. There's an odd tie to the rise of the horseshoe talisman. Yeah. Uh, there's a rise to a few different pieces. Uh, and it's tied to when the Romani people first came over uh, and entered into Europe. You could sort of see it uh, in the written journals of certain practices starting to come into play. And uh, 
Yeah, the the horseshoe itself is one of the most common ones because mm -hmm. as a, a luck item, iron was normally used as a, a item to of great protection and so forth. But the horseshoe itself wasn't really um, that symbol of luck and protection until uh, around the time that we see the large uh, era of piety, the age of piety. Mm. in Europe was where the ages were a large uh, congregation of uh, Roma start appearing in the histories of different European uh, nations. So, Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I know the cursing the evil eye and doing that. There is curse work. There is mm -hmm. um, the, the Elimera and there is uh, different ways that we do magic. Just like most magical traditions, if you don't know the dark, it doesn't help you with the light. Right. You can't protect yourself against the dark if you don't know something about it. So right. yeah, we do have curses. We oh, do have absolutely. And I just wanted to clarify before I go on that um, the Romani nations the Romani peoples, I keep saying peoples as the plural, mm -hmm. and also using the term Sinti, it's because there isn't one solid universal Romani people. Right. Just like the just like the wheel with the spokes leading to the hub, mm -hmm. which is also the symbol of the uh of the Romani people, the International Romani Council that goes on with it as well and meets with the International Congress and with the United Nations as well. The flag has a wheel on it for a reason. And one of those reasons is that we went to these different countries, these different nations. We settled some willingly and sometimes we settled forcefully, like in Romania, they were mm -hmm. kept as slaves. And literally, they were tied to the land. They were in serfdom, but a little bit stronger than just serfdom. If you read the annals, you'll understand that part. But uh, mm -hmm. we, were expelled, we were expelled from <clears throat> Spain and Portugal and brought over to the New World, to Brazil and to other places where they were on Spanish domain. And we were blended with uh, the American slave trade from Africa, uh, the indigenous people being subjugated in uh, South America and in the various things that they call colonies. Mm. Um, and you could see that in Brazil, especially the history of Brazil. And you see that with the rise of the of the veneration for Kelly Sarah at the same time. Mm. So we could see the myth, if you want to call it that, the, the mythic connection, the storyline, mm -hmm. and uh, get that. But make no mistake, it's not a unified, that one that lives in Germany is exactly the same as someone that is still uh, in the Northwest uh, part of India mm. or in Brazil right now. Mm -hmm. so, 
it's it's hard to really talk about the people unified when they're not fully there. Right. Right. Many there's many cultures that are just uh, Romani specific to a nation, mm-hmm. specific to an area, but there are other ones that go across the board. It's like the languages. There are many words that go right across the board, but the dialects can be very different with sure. different mm-hmm. pronunciation and grammar. Oh, that was... Sorry for the diatribe. I'm no, 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 no. That was <laughs> great. Thank you. Oh, that was excellent. Excellent, excellent. Um, I, I got so involved with the story you were telling, I kind of didn't have my next question. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Why ravens at the crossroads? Oh, there's a reason behind that. So I, um, I have an affinity with ravens, mm-hmm. but uh, I, when I looked at it, it really had to do with the fact that I had uh, oathed to Odin many years ago. Okay. Not the dog. Yeah, not the dog. I but, know. But that's what's, of memory. Yeah. what's funny about the dog is I found the dog <laughs> um, on Twitter after we had started this show. And then I told Tyler about it. And I'm like, you know, he looks a lot like your dog and his name is Odin. I think you need to go rescue him because the dog was also in his home county. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he, he was did. set to go be put down the next day, actually. Yeah we literally saved his life. So it was through this interesting chain of communications through Twitter. So anyway, uh, get back to the Ravens, the, the Ravens at the crossroads. So I had told him, I'm like, you know, there's the story of Hunan and Moonan and how they, and how they go out on to the, to the lands and they gather up the stories and they bring them back to Odin and tell him what's going on. And then I also had mentioned, I don't, I don't exactly entirely remember how I came to these, this connection of thoughts, but I had also mentioned how um, R2-D2 and C-3PO are the two characters that follow through the whole arc of all the stories. They are the ones who witness the stories. And the Star Wars thing, it comes from this Japanese film. Uh, yeah. And so a couple, a couple of them, yeah. So. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah. but well, it's the specific one was uh, Forbidden Fortress or something like that. I can't yep. remember. You got it. And uh, we actually watched it because I um, I'm the organizer for the Japanese meetup out here. So <laughs> okay, um, we had watched it, and so I was like, so those two are supposed to be like R two D two and C three P. Okay, they're all right but they were the witnesses and so then as we were talking about what we wanted to do which really was to document the stories of people throughout various corners of our community um and and i said you know i want us to bear witness to these stories like a pair of ravens sitting at the crossroads (laughs) watching it unfold and so that's really where it comes from it's like great. it's like all of those things put together, um, but it started out with uh, 
I don't, I don't even know why I had to put the Star Wars thing in there, but it, it made sense to me at the time. And I'm like, you know, we're witnessing these people. They're sharing their stories with us and we're bringing it to the rest of the world. And I want other people to, you know, I want them to be able to access this information long after we're gone and to be able to hear the stories from the people themselves about why they did whatever they did, how they started on their paths, where, what they got out of different things, the advice that they wish they had gotten or they wanted to give, uh, you know, the moment in history that these things happened and their perspectives. I just, I have this long uh, affinity with history and I've been a historical tour guide half my life. So I, uh, I just like the idea of being able to share these stories with people. Yeah, that's, that is a noble endeavor. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, the idea originally came when we went to Pantheacon, actually, earlier okay. this year. Have you ever been? I have not. Unfortunately. I, 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 I know quite a few people that have. That have. Yeah, unfortunately, and this is going to be the last year. There will be others. So. Oh, yeah. There'll be other events. The Pantheacon, as it exists, as we understand it, um, 2020 is their last year. Yep. Something, yeah, just to say that some things sometimes are meant to, right. to go. They all have their own lifespan. Yes. So, as Keithorn Coyle was um, quite often saying in her uh, posts and so forth, uh, about certain disruptions sometimes that happen within big organizations such as Pentathon. Right. Mm. Yes. Um, anyway, so we were we were there, Tyler and I. I think uh, somebody had just passed. Yeah, it was actually. Um, I just posted about this. It was DJ Conway. That's right. Yes. But also, like uh, just days or a week before we left, my friend Ed had passed, mm -hmm. and he was a uh, kind of a mover and shaker in Orange County as a social media or a marketing yeah, mastermind out right. uh, here. He just uh, he was amazing, but he had also like very suddenly died, um, and so the two of them, plus knowing that the organizer for Pantheacon, her daughter had died two weeks before Pantheacon. And so we were kind of reminiscing or lamenting really about the loss of their stories and mm -hmm. things of that nature that, you know, kind of wish we had documented certain things. Right. Yeah, we were uh, booth sitting for uh, Ardentine yeah. at the time. So, yeah. And uh, so because Amber and Asriel K were giving a presentation, but they also had a booth and so they needed help. And uh, I said, yeah, we'll do it. We'll watch your booth. And, we opened up for them while they were giving their presentation. We opened up the booth. Let me, <laughs> let me clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't the opening act. We, <laughs> we just opened up the booth for them. It's always good to clarify. <laughs> so, uh, so, we, so while we were sitting there, just sort of enjoying the moment because it was early in the day and uh, people hadn't flooded the vendor room yet because they were at all the presentations, I was remembering that the Covenant of the Goddess had originally once upon a time years ago i had this really great project about oral tradition and how they were going to document oral history not oral tradition oral history of the organization yep and then it just never happened or it died midway i don't know what happened to it so 
when Amber came back, I asked her, I'm like, hey, you remember this project that somebody brought up and <laughs> we spent all this money on it? <clears throat> Whatever happened to it? She's like, you know, I don't really know. And given it happens sh- in any it happens in any community pagan or otherwise. Well, but and, and cog, you know, it would happen to cog. Right, but with cog, there's money involved, and you know these things are voted upon and documented, and this thing fell through the cracks. But it just sort of inspired me. I'm like, you know, uh, it would be really great if we could do something like this. And then Tyler's like, we could do a podcast. And I looked at him and he's like, I know how to do a podcast. I'm like, let's do a podcast. And so it, it just sort of grew from there. And here we are. Yeah. Great, great. <laughs> now that I've asked the question, I'm sure you guys have a couple more. <laughs> yes. Thank you for uh, giving us a moment to. No worries. Get our feet back in there. <laughs> uh, now, from what I understand is the Romani tradition is a blood uh, based like it's a tradition based on having ancestry who is Romani. Largely, um, to be to be frank with you, right now that blood is though many people have the Romani blood with them. Um, they're not tying themselves back spiritually to that blood. Mm. As I mentioned before, there are many many that have gone to the, the, what they call the gypsy revival movement, mm-hmm. which uh, started largely in f- France and so forth, where it's sort of a Baptist, mm. uh, Baptist evangelical yeah. strain of Christianity. Okay. Uh, there's also those Pentecostals that I was talking about. Right. And, you know, power be to where you find your faith. And, that's be all and end all regarding it, but your blood faith, there must be something that you should carry on with. You should not just drop everything that's within you. That's your genetic history, all that, mm-hmm. all your ancestors known and unknown, named and unnamed, are carried within your DNA. So by tap, you know, by removing yourself from that flow that river of life that's that is inside of you Mm -hmm. uh is distressing to me um so what i've been trying to do is see what makes sense to a larger community okay will know and pass that wisdom on to my brethren and my sister and my friends and my allies mm. uh, that are part of various communities. The neo-pagan community, however, uh, has been very gracious to me at times. Um, and in turn, I find that the compatibility, the, the, the use of knowledge that I have within my blood faith can be exercised to excite, enrich, and enliven their faith and their mm-hmm. ancestors because i've yet to meet one person in my entire life that has no ancestors so 
That could okay. be weird. Yeah. <laughs> if 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 you do find one person in this day and age that has they're, no ancestors, they're, they're you not let from me here. know because I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want to meet this person because they're brand spanking new to this cosmos. Right. Um, yeah, self-made, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by taking <laughs> this faith and bringing it forward to someone else to enrich their lives to get them connected to their ancestry, their genetic knowledge. Mm. And we call it purify the blood, not purify in a negative way, but to make sure that you are using the tool that is, that you've been born with literally Mm. and enhance it and modify it, make it run cleaner, make the body and mind run smoother and use that as your instrument instead of anything that you find along the way even though that's good as well but your main instrument in this phase mm-hmm. is your body okay yeah because that was that was the next place i was going with the question it was going to be uh if somebody was interested or want to learn more about the romani faith like it's tradition it, their your tradition like yeah. how i i know some I'm looking, traditions i'm looking at books as well yeah. um i've been looking for years <laughs> to, to okay. see if i could find pieces that i can bring forward and available and there isn't one specific book so when are you going to write your book <laughs> that is what we're not actually that's what you're working on yeah that's what i'm working on that's awesome yeah i've especially since uh the recent death um i have to because Mm -hmm. i look at my kids and it's their right to follow the faith of their heart as well even though i'm going to practice and instill in them as much of the teachings as i can it's still up to them to choose their path. Sure. Right. If they decide that they're not going to go with their crazy dad, then <laughs> <laughs> then that voice dies with me. Just like um, I'm the last of my mentor's voice. There was another that she was teaching, but uh, he didn't get far. Uh, it was more political than spiritual for him Mm. and unfortunately uh that diminished the community greatly those that still practice however if you are interested in a few books you could always grab um ronald lee's calderash to english dictionary i know that you're saying why are you giving me a dictionary but to know the language Mm starts you off on the faith as well there's so many things that we lose along the way uh not only is culture tied to music and to art but it's also tied to our spoken words so yes once Mm -hmm. those dialects die a part of the magic gets dispersed so uh, there are books on Cali Sarah that are largely in Portuguese. <laughs> the, the best ones are actually in Brazilian Portuguese. 
that I've been finding. There are a couple of people uh, in the United States that are writing their doctoral thesis on the Black Madonnas and on uh, Santa Sara uh, Ikeli Singana or Chingana, uh, which just means that they're Saint Sarah the Black of the Romani or Gypsies. Uh, so there are pieces that are getting collected of an oral history as well right now for in academic research and academic endeavors, but uh, the Gypsy Lore Society, as it once was called, now they've changed it to uh, the Institute of Romani Studies, I believe. Interesting. I can't, rem- I can't remember their new their new name, but it was uh, founded a while back, and even though that. Uh, it didn't start out the most academic. <laughs> There's a lot of armchair academics that were doing their research with people, in, particularly in uh, England and Scotland and Wales, regarding their community uh, of the Romashel, which is, like I said, the uh, Romany of the British Isles and talking about traditions there, there was a, a gentleman named Elwood who, for some strange reason, thought that we mainly focused on a phallic god. Mm. And he's going, well, you know, if you think that you're carrying your know, wooden penises around is going to get you tied to the Romani community, I, <laughs> I got to tell you, you've been played. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but there's... Even in the most obscure and weirdly written information about Romani culture and Romani um, spirituality and the traditions, there are nuggets of wisdom in it. Um, Raymond Bucklin, uh, yes, may his rest is passing, he wrote a book on it as well. And a lot of the stuff he put in it was um, extremely tied to the Wiccan movement and to his Long Island tradition and so forth and to the Saxon tradition that he was talking about as well. I wondered about um, that. But there are pieces that he did say in his big book there, because he had mm-hmm. quite a few big books of different things, um, that string true that there are putsies, we make putsies, which some people would call mojo bags or hands mm. or um, blessing bags. There are different traditions of these little satchels that you create uh, to make things uh, to bring protection or luck or power or fortune you know, or health. These are common things that are, again, in various traditions, magical traditions, including our own. And the the Putsi, which is P-U-T-S-I, was even featured in uh, an episode of Supernatural. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think I might have seen that episode. Yeah. They're not a hex bag. No, it's not a hex bag. It's a Putsi. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I get kicks every so often. 
the earliest kick that I found was uh, because you mentioned Star Wars, it dawned in my my head. It was a cartoon named Ewoks, and there is the cartoon had these characters called the Traveling Jindas, and they were being followed by these rocks. And because of this rock thing or whatever type of thing, it is a splitting, like this eerily side noted parallel version of of the seventh nail or the ninth nail or whatever nail you want to call it, which is a, a Romany legend about why the Romany were allowed to bypass thou shall not thou shall not steal because they a young gypsy girl stole, or a gypsy boy, depending on which way that you tell it, uh, sneaks a couple of nails that were meant for Jesus Christ from the centurions when they were dropped. Oh. So sort of saved the, the Savior from a little bit more pain on the, on the cross. So we were allowed to bypass the, the thou shall not steal clause. Yeah. Okay. You, you, it's an interesting all twisting. All right. There's also the other one where it was a Romani uh, blacksmith, a Pelangaro, who was set to task because no one else wanted to make the nails to crucify Christ with. There's all sorts of really odd uh, legends that are largely perpetuated, by, you know, or started by it. Um, people that were not of Romani descent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, in that nutshell, the going back to that popular culture, trying to figure out uh, where one would find more about these traditions, the secrets are around you. Uh, find the common base, and as my Sifu uh, in the Chambu's tradition would always say to me, 10,000 books will never equate to a third-rate teacher. So whether it's learning the tarot, which I learned uh, from another person, a Scottish woman, but, um, or learning about your traditions, books can only get you so far. You got to do the dirt time. You got to do the practice. You got to see what works and what doesn't work. And you've got to shape that together. And if you really, really, want to learn about these traditions, a teacher will find you. It's, it's eerie, but it's true. Was the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will come? Yeah. Yes. Yep. It's <laughs> a very universal saying. Uh, I, I, that kind of worked out for me. I was, yes, it did. When I was ready to start learning, my teacher just happened to be sitting at the table across the way from me. So. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's it's amazing how the unmeaning, the meaningful, uncoordinated um, coincidence comes into play. Synchronicity, right? The mm -hmm. seemingly meaningful coincidence. Right. Okay. Yeah it it works out that way. It really it really does, and then. It, it it's one of those things like 
there are no con or not consequences. Yeah, I wish sometimes uh, there are no coincidences. Uh, there, yeah. Everything's for a reason. Yes. We um, what's one of the mysteries of the of the Romani traditions as well, which I'll I it's no secret anymore because I keep blabbing it. Um, but I always say, may you earn your luck. Mm. And that there's a point for that. It's not, it's a blessing and a curse all mm -hmm. in one, which is pretty awesome. Right. Uh, because you could say it and there's so many meanings that are implied by it. But the word luck itself, uh, we end sometimes conversations instead of saying goodbye, you say, may you be lucky or you know, luck be with you and, and so forth. Luck is not neither blind, okay, or dumb in uh, Romani culture or in many other traditions as well. And it often gets muddled up as something that just sort of happens by chance. But really, it's more like a static electrical charge. Mm. That sense. It's, it's something that if you know that you're doing it, you can focus it right. So your actions, again, have consequences. Mm -hmm. But if you think it's a random thing, you will use it randomly. You will use it uh, without thinking about it. But if you focus it, if you understand the principles of it and how the rubbing together of lives causes that charge to uh, be formed because we're all bioelectrical beings. Mm -hmm. We are all radiants of light and energy because of our spinal cord and our nervous system are all powered by this biochemical electrical charge. That's how our brain works. Right. So if we channel all that energy in a positive, constructive way, if we know what we're doing, we can also release it targeted, focused for a direct purpose. And that's what really luck is, is taking what you think is random, taking what you've been doing so far and waiting for that opportunity. So when training meets opportunity, that is luck. Mm -hmm. Sounds very similar. It, yeah. The rest of it is just being foolish. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds very similar to uh, manifestation for a lot of mm -hmm. uh, other practices and traditions. Yes. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like we've, we've had a similar conversation like this already today. Right. <laughs> um, basically just be mindful of where you're, mm -hmm. where you're putting your time, energy and thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I might actually have to uh, make use of the may you earn your luck. Oh, I was I was thinking, <laughs> oh, all right, going forward, I'm going to be doing the luck be with you yeah. as yeah. my sign off because I, I always struggle with that sign off. Like, do yeah. I just say kind regards or, you know, best wishes? Like, no. This, yeah. that's may you be lucky. One. May you earn your luck. May we all earn our luck is a good yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that a lot. And there's a few people I could say it either way for. Right? 
And right. that's the that's the beauty of it. That's that's why I like it because it yeah. can go either way. It's, it kind of reminds me of when I tell people, "Be careful what you wish for," mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you just might get it. Yep. It's like or, or it's karma, but that whole element too. Yeah. yeah. Car- karma is an interesting one because again, the root of it means action or duty, mm-hmm. and that positive and negative karma that went around in the 70s like man that's like totally bad karma everything <laughs> there is there is no polarization of karma uh when you actually when you actually learn about karma there's no polarization karma just happens it's it's the result of action it's restart it's the result of being chained on samsara mm-hmm. which is that mm-hmm. continual cycle of life death and rebirth and the uh the chain of dependent origination see i did get my teacher of the dharma type of thing for um but it's that nature as well that duty and our actions and our thoughts perpetuate other things by happening so if we actually get control of it we can change things and in the case of buddhism we can break the chain of samsara and go to nirvana. Mm. We can have that enlightening moment. And then we'll have to wait it out and make sure that we don't add or subtract from the cosmic balance book. Right. But in this case, a lot of us want to return. A lot of us want to do better and bring more people around and not be enlightened in the Buddhist sense of the word, but be joyful because life is worth celebrating. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that you are a blend of every element, that you are actually star matter, mm. which is part of our cosmology as well, mm-hmm. of how we were born and created. And if we earn our luck, if we center ourselves, if we understand our vital role in the universe and how we're interconnected with all the beings here and how to use that connection to have those correspondences. There's nothing that can stop us. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I get on those diatribes. It's no, bam, 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 then people go, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, it was totally awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm just sitting there and listening to you and unfolding it in my brain while you're talking about it. I, right. <laughs> I've done a couple of courses south of the border. I do uh, Romani retreats. Mm. So I, some people invite me to speak and I go over and uh, hopefully they have a rota. Otherwise, now, because of one uh, one Romani uh, retreat workshop I did, they actually gave me a, a wheel that was over 100 years old, refurbished wow. it, and uh, painted it up really nice. And that's, that's is the that one the one, yep, is that the one you had it? Okay. Yeah. yeah Some beautiful. people get to wield around a thame, but I have to, I have to swing that, <laughs> that wheel around, that, that iron-rimmed wheel. Yeah, so how does that travel on the airplane? Yeah. With great difficulty. Actually. Is that a, is that a check luggage thing or overhead compartment? I, I, I flew with it once, uh, 
it wasn't that far. I didn't, I didn't fly to like Bermuda or anything with it. But um, <laughs> it was at once. And just the people at the airport gave you that weird look. You know, the look going, what the hell? It's an ancient artifact. And I, I, I sort of <laughs> smiled. I smiled at them and I just said, you know, everyone needs a spare. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, oddly enough, I wasn't uh, questioned about it. So, <laughs> the, 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 Wait, the what side of the border were you on at that time when you said that? <laughs> I was going from Canada. So you were in Canada, country. that's why. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. <laughs> no, on the way back, actually, when I travel across the border, it's not going into the United States. That's the issue. It's coming out of the United yeah, States. That's yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking, because <laughs> I get flagged if I have my inhaler. Like, what? Yeah, I had a TSA agent one time uh, try to get me to throw my inhaler away. Because no. Yeah, she didn't understand that it was medically required. Like, if I have an asthma attack. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, we, we have a little bit of a training issue with our TSA here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> understatement. I, I, yeah. I've been to other countries. They do it way better than we do. I know. Uh, I'm, so I'm not going to say anything either way on that regard, but I do. I one note for traveling. I always keep my passport completely up to date, but mm -hmm. I also have a file that I bring with me. It's a very slender piece, and now with a with a USB key, mm. so I don't need to carry around my folder anymore. But I have on my key all my medical mm. uh, information and anything that I might need if the uh, custom guards of the border police ask me certain questions I just give them the key uh, for example coming back from a Romani retreat uh, we were crossing the border and woman saw that I had sleeping bags and a tent and also a six foot long effigy of Kelly Sarah in the back of my friend's station wagon <laughs> and Boy. of course questions were raised and uh, basically, I had to tell that lovely French-Canadian person uh, that it was a spiritual retreat. And they said, but it's wintertime. I said, yes, don't you camp out in the winter? <laughs> <laughs> so she had to look it up, and I gave her a key, my, my USB key, just to say, hey, um, if you want to know, here's the news article. Here's the interview I did. And, you know, certain things like that. And it really helped me get through the border quick. So for your inhaler, make sure you have a scanned copy of your uh, prescription, your medical prescription. Yeah. Yeah. It works out well. When you travel well, life is just a, a joyous thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and before I went out to Canada, I definitely made sure everything was up to date with my passport. Mm -hmm. I got, uh, what's that extra? Oh, global yeah global entry um yeah it was uh coming home was a long flight <laughs> oh but um going out there was exciting and again coming through customs back in the u.s is a pain in the butt well actually my trip that was the part that i was absolutely petrified was going to be terrible either direction smooth sailing awesome yeah oh both times that uh, i've 
had to go through an airport customs, like driving across the border isn't any big deal. Nothing, yeah. nothing real big there. But both times I've had to go through airport customs, coming back to the States has been a pain in the butt. I've gotten flagged for extended validation both times. Yikes. Wow. It's like, I'm, I, I don't even know why I get flagged. I have more problems traveling in the U.S. than in and out of the U.S. Yeah. Is that weird? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, got, I got held up. Uh, okay, to be fair, the one time that I got held up by TSA, they had me doing like yoga poses while they were doing the wand over me and everything. But I had a one-way ticket from D.C., uh-huh. brown person, on the two-year anniversary of 9-11 coming out of D.C. <sighs> and I had an unusual dark matter object in the side of my suitcase, and they were absolutely freaked out about it. And I didn't know what they were talking about because they weren't they, they weren't explaining anything to yeah, me. Yeah, they, they weren't. So being they had me bending over backwards to make sure I didn't. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing, but it was really funny after the fact. And then uh, when they when we finally pulled out the object, it was a collection of metal magnets I had picked up when I was in New Orleans. <laughs> of course it was. Of course it was. Oh, um, tra- traveling in the states, I've gotten stopped because I work in IT. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was carrying two laptops. Oh, that'll do it. And they made me boot up both the mid, uh, middle airports. So one in Texas and one in uh, Why do you get Ohio. The, what is that? They made me boot up the laptop, and I'm like, to make sure it wasn't uh, to not make sure a laptop it, to check and see if it was really a laptop. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, are you guys waiting for it to count down? Like, oh, you, you should do that. You should have it so that when it boots up, it doesn't count down. <laughs> No, don't, Dude, do no don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't play with the fate, man. Don't play. No, it's not worth it. No, this is back with Windows XP, and you know how the bar would cycle oh, through. Man. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, are you waiting for it to go backwards? Like, what's going on here? And uh, I mean, it was an inconvenience, but it only took me like four or five minutes. It, it still was pain in the butt because. And that's one of the things I loved about London was they did inspect one of our bags in London. But they respectfully, like, they took you aside. They respectfully opened up your bag. They went through it. They're like, oh, this is what it is. And then they put it back in the same way that they took it out. In the States. <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't work that way. No. once they, You have to assemble and now go for your plane. Go, 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 go. Right. It, exactly. And flying it's, around, yeah. They, they rip out all your stuff. And then they're like, oh, this is what it was. No big deal. They push your stuff down the line and then you're stuck trying to put it back together after they've unfolded and all the stuff that you've carefully packed I'm just like, ah that's yeah. why that's why usually for uh retreats when i go down i have uh my hosts paying for the basic things and, and so forth and if there's any equipment that i need uh of the herbal variety in the sense of like Rose, even like rosemary or sure. centerfoil or uh, like f- five-handed herb, um, things like that. I ask them if they know of a spot, a botanica mm-hmm. that they can get it from because it's far easier for them to grab the supplies sometimes mm-hmm. right. uh, than for me to bring it across the border. I got caught one time bringing beans across the border. Oh, boy. 
Just beans, not, not nothing huge. Fresh, about it. dried, uh, dried beans. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it. It was a miscommunication on their part. Clearly, I was. I basically was totally forthcoming with it and saying, "I have this. I have this uh, mason jar of beans. Lucky beans here. You want to inspect it? You know." And they're like. Uh, 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 was it what we were expecting? Sure. <laughs> they expected <laughs> it. Yeah, they expected it. And that actually uh, helped me out a lot because it limited the, the other questions later on of other things. They just sort of, all right, I uh, hear your beans. They look fine. They're, they're dry. <laughs> so, didn't ask me why I was coming into the country for after that. They didn't ask me any other questions. <laughs> um, here are your beans. You can go. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you know it's really good to be forthcoming and it just avoids any other questions that they can think of it's sure. just a, you give them the question so it just yeah. reminds me i had a girlfriend who married a man from peru and her mother-in-law would come back up from peru and this was before 9 11 so it was a little easier to do this but she had packaged um, guinea pigs, cooked guinea pigs in her suitcase. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, yeah. what? No, 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 because it's a delicacy out there. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. she had packaged all it's... of this food that sh you can't really get as you know in the States and stuff. Yeah. She brought it, but she packed it in her suitcase and she managed to smuggle it up here. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, and I just sort of looked at, at my friend, like, are you, are you serious? Like she managed to get that. And she's like, yeah, you know, I've known, I, I, I know people to this day that still smuggle the craziest of things back because it's, they, they can't get it fresh here in Canada. I'm just going, mm -hmm. you do understand what's going on here. Right? Just like, yeah, but you know, I, I need my, you know, I need this or I need that. This right. particular spice. I'm just going, that particular spice looks, very uh menacing in its white form right, <laughs> right. but i need fresh salt <laughs> the salt has been picked off the rocks <laughs> i'm sure it has been anyway back to your questions so do you have any plans to uh like do you have any plans for 2020 to travel into the states at all uh there are some uh there are some opportunities right now. Uh, I have to talk to my friends in Ithaca, uh, New York, that is. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more than willing to travel. Uh, my means are really simple. You get me down there, you get me back. Um, and you figure out where I'm staying. And uh, we'll, we can negotiate the other terms as well. Because what I really love is uh, passing on the knowledge that I have in order for it to benefit the communities at large. But yeah, I will let you know if I ever uh, come south of the border. That would be great, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right I mean, now I just have uh, a few talks. I have a talk in January in Toronto. I have a talk uh, later in the year in Quebec um, in Montreal. And I have the possibility of traveling to the West Coast uh, sadly, because of of the recent death, but sure. I might be connecting with a few people in BC 
that way. And these are all, you know, speculative, except, except for the uh, the one in uh, Toronto is is confirmed. So I'll be there January twelfth mm-hmm. to do a a talk and ritual. At a store? At a? Uh, it's it's uh, with the Wiccan Church of Canada. They're very they're very nice. Um, people and they've invited me both uh, on several occasions to speak in Toronto and, and speak in Hamilton, which is where I'm at right now. Cool. So, okay. Yeah. Yay. And then you'll, of course, let us know when you are published. Of course. I will be. I have to really put things down and uh, get it going forward. I have countless notes. Sure. I have different things, but I have to piece these suckers together. Mm-hmm. I have to make them uh, readable, but I also have to triple and quadruple check them because I'm a slow writer um, to start. I also have uh, dyslexia and dysgraphia, so mm. it it makes uh, the written word a bit challenging. Is, um, it, is it possible to have uh, somebody do the yeah, do the dictation and have somebody else actually type it up? Yeah, we're, we're looking at that. It's also trying to make sure that you have a reliable person to do it as yep. well. So, yeah, there's, there's possibilities. But right now, um, we're just starting the, the basic phase. I have the introduction page written, and I have to do two chapters before I can present it as a possibility to some of the publication houses mm. yeah so that's how they usually start is if you have a good introduction and a good couple of, um chapters then they say yeah we'll give you an advance to write the book now go and just go mind like right go mm-hmm. nuts. and the resources are there for a lot of these publication houses like wiser and, and such so mm-hmm. Meisters is good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, super excited about this idea. So it's going to be great. Uh, in the meantime, I'm, I will be working on a, a website as well to start putting some stuff down. Oh, you will, will you? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm starting to learn a bit more about the I'm, – I'm a Luddite, I have to admit. I, <laughs> technology for me is – is a useful tool at times, but I don't fully understand it. <laughs> I, I don't fully utilize this as much as I should. So I've been working on on constructing a website and so forth and getting my ideas down to how it's going to look and so forth. So you have somebody that's working on that with you? Yes. Okay, so, good. Okay. I'm like... Yeah. This is my third attempt to work with someone on it and oh. uh hopefully this one sticks and doesn't run overseas or go somewhere down to <laughs> down to brazil sure sure so, so um yeah i'll let you know about that i'll be letting a lot of people know when that happens yeah so, when that happens because when we put this up on our page i want to be able to link back to your site yep that'd be great yeah um I should be able to let you guys know uh, in the new year regarding it. So if you wanted to update f- 
from that that we could do that yeah yeah no don't worry about it we'll it, it'll be a simple thing to add in uh, yeah. a link so for now i'm i don't hide behind um any little logo or caricature or anything on facebook i it's a picture of me mm -hmm. i don't have a, a code name like black panther or <laughs> zumba kumba or you know, wicked naughty naughty or anything like that. It's just John Huslack or Huchuliak. So, and if you can understand, you know, if you can understand what I'm saying, you can find me up on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You could find me on um, LinkedIn as well. Or you can just uh, find me in Kitchen Marlou or Hamilton or Toronto when I'm around. <laughs> it's a great crowd out there. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed spending uh, time with the the crowd, at least the folks that I met. Yeah, it was really we nice. Have, yeah, the, the folks that I, I love the parliament. It was a little bit out of the price range for a lot of our folks. Mm. Uh, and that's also what we wanted to do with the Lucky Clover is bring people that are from the Toronto and Hamilton community that couldn't make it to the parliament at least meet some people while they're they were down yeah so that, that was great that we hosted a few was that uh, the place that was across the street from the convention center the bar Yeah, it was just it was across the street from where the sacred fire was lit yes yes okay yeah so. i'm like i'm pretty sure i was there we were you all were there yeah we were walking <laughs> all over the place that place was um because we went to a couple different places before we ended up going over there um yeah it was despite the cooler temps being from socal uh because i think it got down to i think the lowest was 33 while we were out there but you guys I, were blessed with the weather when we got there it was rainy yeah uh, and so forth but you didn't get the cold that that hit literally about maybe 10 days after everyone left we just got hit hard yeah i saw that I was like, well, you know, I was wandering around with just a thin sweater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's well. I was fine. You're in your luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was loving it. We were having a great time. I, um, we were all over the place. We had a good time. It's a wonderful town. So. Oh, we're glad that you came came up for that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was. Uh, just uh, i think the thing that uh the reason that i was able to do it was because i had hooked up with the with the folks from the corellian tradition and we yeah. had rented a house if i hadn't had that opportunity there's no way i could have um, paid for hotel room two because i think my trip up there was like two grand yeah so, it's, yeah it can be quite pricey gang gang up and around but yeah. that's just the way it works with a lot of places these days so. It was great. I loved it. It was one of my most favorite trips. Sorry that my husband couldn't enjoy it with me, but you know, he, somebody had to stay home and feed the cats. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, I met amazing, amazing people of different traditions. Uh, I call them the wild women of Netherlands. <laughs> the Anka is, was just incredible. And um, she's freezing. Uh, and that's the spirituality that she's practicing, that blood spirituality of hers. And uh, instantly clicked, started talk, comparing notes and spirit folk and different traditions and so forth. And that's really what 
it's about is we adapt one of the one of the universal truths to the Romani spiritual t- traditions is that we must adapt. We must understand that when we're on lands that are not our own, we must converse with that land. We must understand spiritual geography and align ourselves with those who know that spiritual geography as well. So the traditions of how we negotiate terms with wild folk as we call them, or how it's translated as wild folk, but uh, how a lot of people in the uh, broader traditions call fairies or fae. Mm. Um, we have a very different understanding <laughs> about fae. They're not little pixies. They're right. things with teeth. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're things that get you lost in the wilderness. They're things that uh, don't have the same moral code as we do. They do have a code. They have True. a code of conduct, but that's it's very alien. And it's very hard to understand if you do not have pleasant and survival encounters with them, if you don't learn from your elders as well. And that's why Rota, which we were doing at Parliament of World Religions, has a declaration that anyone that abides by the common laws may come with us. So that includes the wild folk, that includes the discorporal um, spirits, that includes the intangibles, that includes entities and so forth in there. We say, we want you at our table. However, this is the rule. Or these are the eight rules. You must if you come here, the common laws are invoked. Otherwise, here's a great bowl of cream on the side, and we'll get out of your space very soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we don't mess with them. <laughs> we don't invite them to our dinner table. Unless, unless we all have a common term or a common rule involved. Because sure. to get into their laws and their ideas of, of morality is difficult indeed. Let alone all the other spirits that are around us. Sure. There is, mm-hmm. yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so when you talk, when you're talking shop to the indigenous people at the Parliament of World Religions, all the people that came from Greenland and from Peru and from we had Siberian there and we had people from uh, South America and Central America and of course uh, the large uh, congregation of indigenous peoples here in Canada uh, talking shop with them about spirituality and their faiths was just mind blowing mind blowing they had a really good representation at the opening ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to film it. I don't remember if I put that up or not, but it was it's pretty cool. Yeah. And then having the African diaspora traditions and also the Yoruba traditions there and having a couple of people that are uh, from Japan that are Shinto. And then the Hawaiian brothers were incredible. That Hawaiian contingency was just chock full of information 
and you know just I was hanging I have to admit I was hanging around more with the indigenous track than it was with the pagan uh, workshops going on at times. I was all over the place. Yeah. I I did go to check out um, there was a Hawaiian uh, lecture. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. Was, now. It, was it about uh, reclaiming the Hawaiian artifacts? Like Hawaiian... Um, it probably was because yeah. that's, my, that's my heritage. Um, but I was not raised with it. Uh, I was adopted at birth, so I wasn't remotely raised with my Hawaiian heritage. And so I, I'm, I'm always trying to look to see how I, you know, learn from it. Yeah. And also to see how it feels for me. You know how you were talking about for like yeah. your your spiritual path from your blood. I don't feel that calling. Yeah. And it kind of trips me out. Um, no, but that that too has to be understand that... Um, when we say ancestors and we do ancestral veneration specifically around this time of year, um, when you start in October mm -hmm. and you're still in that zone right now of this time of year, we are constantly reminded of those who passed beyond the veil. And some would say, I said that, that who have died because let's just face the facts. They, they've died. Their bodies have disintegrated into the ground and they're, Spirits may return in different bodies. They may not. They may be harboring around us. But this is the time of year that we're reminded of death and so forth. That these ancestors are not only just uh, red ancestors or of the red line of blood, but of silver cords. Right. And uh, those that we are mentored into a tradition that have a resonance to our spirit. So your blood having the kahuna uh, traditions in you and so forth, they may not resonate as strong as the silver, as having that spiritual connection from previous lives or from people that resonate on a different level. And again, some of the Romani um, that have taken the blood faith out of their, their lives are enriched by their belief in these Romani revival movements, the revivalists and the facts of Christianity. Now, I don't, I don't agree with it, but it's not my thing to, to talk about. And again, I was a, a Chan Buddhist for a long while, and there's not a single part of me that's Chinese that I know of wow. in my past. So we ring true with what we go with and uh your path is just unfolding it's continually going to unfold with well, my, all sorts of low nuance with my um yeah it's funny because you know the kahuna side definitely yeah. got my younger sister on my father's side she's mm -hmm. amazing and she teaches um she teaches a uh Kuma Hula, she's a master Hula yep. uh, teacher, and she teaches the language, and she has this school out of Vegas, and she's phenomenal. And when we first met, um, which was five years ago, we were sitting across the table, and my husband was sort of looking at us like this ping pong ball going back and forth between 
are conversing with each other and how much we had in common. We were very much leading uh, very parallel lives with regards to our interests in, in that regard. But I was doing it from the Western European perspective and she was doing it from our, you know, Hawaiian heritage, but we were pretty much walking along the same line together. It was really kind of neat. But my heritage does include what I do, you know, with Odin and everything. That is part of my genetic heritage as well. It's mm-hmm. just the larger majority of my my <laughs> genetics is Hawaiian. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel, I feel that maybe if I go to Hawaii, and I know I've said this before, and family has said the same thing, that if I go to Hawaii, and I've only been there once, and I was like five, six, um, that if I go now as an adult and just experience Hawaii, that I'll probably reconnect with that part of my self. The land. The yeah. Land I feel like itself. I need to be on the land to really like connect with it because I connect on the land with another part of my genetic heritage when I go out to Arizona and New Mexico because um, I'm Apache as well. So oh. I connect with that really strongly. We're also supposedly Blackfoot on my father's side which uh, I'm not sure how to like juggle all that. <laughs> if you saw my, my breakdown on my DNA, you'd be like, so what part of the world are you not? Because yeah. it's this ridiculously long line of things, um, different areas all over the world. Before the, the 21 and me, or so the 23 and me thing that came out and so forth, I was actually part of a project it has to be at least 18 years ago. It was called National Genographic. Uh-huh. It was done with IBM and, um, and National Geographic Society before Rupert Murdoch took it over. Sure. Um, and it was talking about haplogroups mm-hmm. and uh, genetic drift and genetic heritage as well. And it's still going on. There, still compiling data about different groups and so forth and the uh, geneticists at uh, in-house um, was Spencer Wells he wrote a book called Deep Ancestry and I highly recommend it it's it sounds familiar. technical and genetic but I highly recommend it to people that want to know about blood faith because the man has it going down just in a scientific perspective he's he knows what he's talking about but it's all scientific it's not the spiritual but if you really want to get your brain in a new perspective about it that's Mm -hmm. that's one book i highly recommend very cool i'll have to check that out there's also um there's my bookshelves are just sagging because <laughs> I, I have to look through all these books and all these articles just to see if I could find pieces to quote or pieces there. But sadly, I have more books that I've read through that didn't give me something to use, but have given me an understanding about another person's faith or another culture. My degrees in religion and culture and cross comparative analysis of spiritual communities. So, and also I have my history and my business uh, degrees as well. Mm. So, 
So yeah, um, the land is very important to a lot of people's callings. And if they actually stopped reading so much or stopped connecting so much on Twitter and just sat down and touched earth, um, they can really rekindle that not only genetic history, but the history of land, that spirit of place. Yes. The genus loci that are in that, that are in the land, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, a lot of what you've um, been saying tonight is very reminiscent of the teachings that um, Ryan Foxwood is my teacher of. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Candle, candle at the crossroad, I believe. I guess, yeah. I have to remember, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I saw yeah. him. Uh, saw him many, many. Well, not many, because we, we, that, that would reveal an age. Um, some a few years ago. How about we say that? And uh, up up north here, mm -hmm. uh, he came up for the Canadian uh, Conjuration Campout. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. He runs a. He has a, a, a tradition that he. It's a seven-year path. So um, I think we're in year five now. Yeah. Like I just finished up my. 10th module uh it's 13 total modules so no further along well five six seven, yeah okay yeah so we've got all of next year and then one more on 2021 and then we're done um but it's a fairy seership and yeah, i actually i actually got uh those books as well uh for a friend of mine oh so of course i I looked into it. There is also a CD, or yeah, CD. Yeah, there's a music CD that that actually uh, we our group put out. And a and DVD. There is a. He had a, a DVD. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bought those as well, just to take a look at. Yeah, it, he has an eloquence to his words. So you got to give give him that. It's quite a. It's quite fascinating and joyful to hear him speak yes yes he's he's got a voice that just kind of brings you into what he's talking about yeah yeah um that was like the first time i heard him speak i was like okay i want to <laughs> learn more from this guy because he's just there's something about him and we connect really well i i don't know i adore him so yeah, been with his class. But so uh, some of the things you were talking about, like when you mentioned, fairy aren't like, you know, Tinkerbell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're a force of nature, literally. Yes. So. They are, they are um, if you go in thinking that's what you're going to meet is Tinkerbell, you will be shocked. So, yeah, I, uh, you know, and then we also do work with the genus loci and um, mm -hmm. it's been a wonderful um, experience to be in this tradition. So, yeah, a little similarities. Excellent, indeed. So yeah, I I do workshops on jangling man, um, which is basically coin casting, which oh. is um, part of it comes from the Romani tradition of using coins in magical traditions, but the other parts are from different uh, places around the world and making it 
uh, meaningful to people to say that th the tradition of using coins as magical items and using them as divination tools and using them as ways of having stored talismans or magics in them uh, works extremely well, especially when they are metal instead of plastic and so forth that we have nowadays. We can actually charge them and use them in specific rules and casts. And then I also do a workshop on how to work with spirits of place and places of spirit. That so, yeah. When Ryan, uh, when Orion came up, we uh, talked a little bit. It was it was good. He has a uh, some very, he has a very interesting path that that he follows. Yeah. So. It's uh, yeah. It's it's really fascinating. Just, I'm I'm fascinated how everybody, the cultures from the different sections of our like just of North America, the pockets of the cultures of our spiritual practices and um, how some of them kind of grew and were born from their regions. It's just fascinating to me. On the way that we've adapted so many different ones over the years um, into prominent religions. I mean, Christmas, for example, <laughs> Yes, right. the 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 Yuletide, the Yuletide, Saturnalia. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, when the colonies first started, Christmas was actually outlawed. Yeah, mm -hmm. that and is true. Now we treat it as if it was something that was brought over by the Puritans, and it's like <laughs> learn your history. Yeah, people forget history. It kind of cracks me up. Well, you know, we actually have to um, remember that uh, history will teach us nothing if we don't allow history to teach us. That's true. That's it's, very it's, true. It's uh, something that keeps coming up and coming up. <laughs> yes, but then people want to forget about it, and then we end up having this repeat of history, and then we go, wait a minute, didn't we do this before? And then oh, yeah, I guess we did. And then time goes on and people forget and then we do it again. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same story, different players. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the great thing about, for instance, because I, I, you want me to talk about my tradition and I'm going to swing you back in just to talk about uh, St. Sarah Kelly, the patron saint of wanderers and sailors, mm -hmm. the disenfranchised and, of course, the Romani people. Uh, we can check out her his our history, our the Romani history, is literally in her steps and how she's traveled, and where she is venerated. So, of course, with Kelly, meaning black or dark, we also know of Kelly Ma or Ma Kelly. Yes. In Northwest India. So, yes. Well, <laughs> there's but... there's the connection there, and her traveling around and being one of the black madonnas she's part of a, a tradition of wait 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 wait, wait. are yeah. you saying that the black madonna is actually kali one of the black madonnas oh wow tradition traditions okay not, not, 
there is a lot of things that interplay. Okay. You can't have a tradition so strong with only one thread. There has to be many threads to make a good solid rope. Sure. And one of the threads, if you notice, in uh, the Black Madonna veneration, there's a certain few Madonnas that are named Black Madonnas that actually don't carry a child, but they're still being honored as a Black Madonna. You'll never see an effigy, a true effigy, of Sarah E. Kelly or Sarah La Kelly carrying a child ever, but she's considered a Black Madonna. There's a few other there's a few others. Every year I hold an event and I've been blessed to have uh musicians and I have a doctorate of dance. I have a woman that has her doctorate in dance that comes out every year and performs beautifully. Every gesture, every movement of her of her body is a story, a poem in motion. Mind blowing that a that she comes and dances in a field, <laughs> <laughs> and you know she does this with love. Um, I have gypsy jazz artists. There, when I say gypsy, in that sense, uh, gypsy jazz is a very specific form of jazz, and I know that some people get really. Um, hung up on the term gypsy. And I can understand why uh, for it. But if it's said with love and tenderness, the G word does not offend me so much as someone saying, to this day, and we were talking about it earlier, about prejudices. When someone says, I've just been gypped. That's gypsy. Yeah, That's where it comes from. Just like in the 50s and 60s, there was a, I just Jewed him down in price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't hear that anymore. There's a reason for that because people have become aware of it, but the term jit is still there. And that's what annoys me more than anything else. But anyways, I digress. So we have gypsy jazz musicians, uh, the Botos brothers, and they play so well it's just wondrous and then we carry the effigy of Kelly Sarah into the very cold water of Lake Ontario (laughs) (laughs) we carry her in with flowers and music and dance and ceremony Um, that happens in France in uh, Saint Marie de la the Camerino France that region there but it also happens in um, San Paulo, Brazil, in small communities there. My effigy actually went down to Brazil. I traveled where I didn't go. It, got, it was paid for the very first year after I did my Cali Sarah event here in Hamilton. Uh, oddly, the internet connected us and it got shipped down and she went to the Grotto's uh, Singana which is one of the sacred sites for uh, people that venerate Santa Seri Kali Singana, Chingana, uh, in the Kumbhara or the Ubanda tradition, depending on what, how you want to pronounce that too. So uh, 
their faiths are exactly the same. Their veneration practice is exactly the same in that though one is Umbanda and she's in charge of a house of spirits that is amazing and frightening all at the same time, while the one in France is part of folk Catholicism that's tied in with Mary Jacobe and Mary um, Salome. And of course, Mary Magdalene later on. Sure. She, she comes in the boat sometimes, sometimes with Joseph of Arimathea or Lazarus that's in there. But usually it's two Marys, maybe three. And of course, uh, Sarah. And that story, when you see that story emerging in several different locations, all being venerated around the same time period, we know that there's a thread of history, a thread of culture that has survived within this effigy. So it's not only veneration for this patron saint, but it's also veneration for our ancestors, for the genetic memory that it reminds us of. It gives us that trigger. And it's also, more importantly, for anyone that comes to it, whether they're Romani or not, it allows people to find safe harbor. They know that there's when their boat is beginning to sink and their sail, the sails of their life are in, in shreds and they're missing oars and they're missing supplies that you can call upon Kelly Sarah to help you reach safe harbor, to get you ashore. Just mm. like that myth that uh, comes with her. And I don't use myth as a tall tale. Myth for me is a living, breathing uh, truth it's just told in many different ways. So this is a truth. And the reason why is because it keeps something to us. So if anyone wants to come up in May, when I do this every year in, in Hamilton, you could find that out on the Facebook site if you type in uh, Sarah E. Kelly Hamilton in your little Facebook thing, the page will pop up. So I have to self-market whenever I can. But um, oh. usually your feast day is around May 24th. So uh, if you happen to be in the area and you also have, I would love to have you. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking. <laughs> that sounds cool. Yeah. So it's Sarah dot e as in the letter e you know uh -huh. or uh, space i should say then kelly as in k a l i then hamilton you, sometimes it comes up with saint sarah if you if you google search it it pops up yeah oh found it so yeah. it's s a r a yeah e, letter e there's no, H, there's no H. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So no I found the community. Yeah. Neat. I like the community. Pictures. Yeah. You would love it. You would love being there just because the energy is just so fresh. And I'm so blessed every year uh, because I find change on the street every year. And that's this is what usually pays for the festival every year. I pay my 
my park fees out of it. I pay my insurance. I pay for the performers literally on street fines. And now, because people are actually supporting uh, her veneration <laughs> here, I, I receive donations as well that go directly to the entertainment. So funny thing. Um, back in 2000, I had gone to uh, an event called Witch Camp in the Mendocino Forest. Yep. And I had an encounter while in camp on one of the, it was the, I think the final day before we left the next morning. And it turned out that it was, there's more to the story. I just don't want to go into it. Okay. But it, it turned out that I had an encounter with Kali. And I didn't know anything about her before going to camp. So afterwards, when I got back, I started doing a lot of research. And she kept kind of tugging on me and being very prominent in my day-to-day. -day. Um, she definitely shook up my world uh to be fair i turned yeah. 30 and everything in my world had shifted that particular year yeah. like dramatically um but uh she made a very strong impact and so i she's still a part of my every morning i see her and you know there's an interaction there um but i just think that's really interesting how did i not know about this connection until now and I'm looking at one of the photos in the group where they've, it, it looks a little like Kali Ma. Yeah. With the it's, skulls and her holding the head. Mm -hmm. But then there's the, um, the Corona around her head. That's very kind of uh, Madonna. Yeah. And with the praying hands, mm -hmm. uh, it's, a really cool image it's uh it's quite interesting um the faith each year uh, i try to show a new aspect for people to understand how complex each each strand of the rope itself each strand of this cord you know how it connects with the black madonnas and the crusaders the, the knowledge that they found while going to their holy land and what happened afterwards in this Black Madonna tradition that way, how the Indian tradition uh, that came from the land there was brought forward, how in France the traditions there that are pre um, or from the pre-Christian worship of uh, the semi-nomadic Celts in that region was mixed with this Christianity, but also with the arrival of the, the first Romany exodus to those shores, how the expulsion of the Romany in Spain and Portugal uh, happened and brought these people venerating to the shores of San Paolo, 
and going through it's Johannes the third of Portugal's 1574 decree. I can pull these facts out because I see them so much, but uh, the parallel of this 1574 decree, which forced the resettlement of these the, the Romani people, the Calo, from Portugal and Spain to Brazil through other colonies in Africa. So the African slave trade starts off there as well, and that connection. So having the indigenous people in Brazil mix with the diasporic traditions of Africa, mixing with the traditions of the Romani peoples, fleeing these areas, they literally, the colonies that they're doing these uh, plantations on in Brazil were leaking their slaves, their, 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 their manpower were escaping into the rainforests. And a lot, a lot of them were not willing to go in there because the indigenous people of Brazil know the area a little bit more than these Spaniards. Um, so, and then them coming out to do the Kumbanda, the Ubanda traditions and having uh, Santa Sara Kali Singana being a Bombagali, like it just, boom each one strikes and having this information each year giving a new aspect to say it's not just one thing Kelly Sarius. She's worshipped over a hundred thousand Romani and non-Romani people worldwide and all you need is a sincere heart when asking for a favor whether for fecundity or for safe travel or watchful protection right so that is the story that we continually dwell on, but each new aspect. So I'm glad that you saw the Kalima aspect uh, in her. Yeah. Yeah. And just now, the next one that we're going to be handling is the um, Ishtara in the uh, way of the semi nomadics of that region of France before Christian worship dwelled in that area and dwelling that together. And then hopefully I'll be going back to Black Mother Earth worship in, uh, in the Ukraine and, uh, and that area of Central Eastern Europe and how that comes in there because that too has a play, but it's, it's a more difficult story to tell. We start with the simple, the ones that we can give people a lot of information and them to look out there. And then we give them more and more of the mystery, revealing more and more of those veils. And uh, I am blessed with so many people coming each year that it keeps growing. Small still. I want, I want hundreds of people. I want, Hundreds of people just lining up, making people go, what the heck is going on here? We had protesters last year, but which I laughed at, they went to the wrong, uh, they went to the wrong rental site. (laughs) 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 These protesters that think that we're worshiping a demonic figure because they don't believe in saints and they went to the wrong frigging 
site were in the same park area, but they went somewhere else. <laughs> Which was funny because I saw them driving in <laughs> and going, what the heck are they protesting? And then a friend of mine told me what it was about. So, um, yeah. Again, another diatribe for me. I do apologize. By the way, my name is also John Corbis. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a talking bird. So. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. That was, um, you've got so much to share. I absolutely love that you, <laughs> that you made time for us today. Seriously. Especially this late, because I know you're on the East Coast. Yeah, it's, 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 it's after midnight. Yeah. It's okay. Um, you know, sleep comes eventually and i'm wide awake i love talking about these things to people because if i don't say something and i pass away that leaves one other person in canada that has had any of the teachings that i've had in my particular place there's there are a couple of hundred um what we call wise women uh, in the romani tradition people that are are herbalists and work with the land. And then there are some Pelangaros, which are the blacksmiths mm. that um, know a few things as well. They're dwindling down in numbers. They're very, they're more predominant, obviously in Europe still than in Canada, but those Romani blacksmiths have traditions as well that are dwindling down. So I'm just hoping that, uh, a few people will find the blood and rekindle their their estrangement to their traditions and also bring in people um, that can benefit from these teachings. And I am very glad that you've uh, asked me to uh, be part of your talk today. So. Well, we appreciate you coming on and spending time with us and sharing these stories. Do you have any other questions? No. Comments, concerns, great recipes. <laughs> the recipes I could get into. Oh yeah, actually he could. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll talk another time off. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I do appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak with us today. It was so enlightening, uh, just from being able to hear from somebody who's had the experiences that you have. That's exactly why we do this show. So thank you again for taking the time to speak with us. It's been an honor and a privilege. So may you both earn your luck and luck to draw. You as well. Luck be with you. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider donating on our website, ravensatthecrossroad.com. You can catch future episodes directly from the website or find us on iTunes Music, Google Play Music, or Spotify. Follow us on social media, Ravens at the Crossroad on Facebook and Instagram or at Ravens Crossroad on Twitter. Wow.